Good evening. My name is Greg Gilmer, and this is my wife, Tanya. Hello. In March of 2013, we walked into this room with gaping wounds in our marriage and fear for our future. But we also had hope. And most importantly, we had God on our side. This is God's story of redemption in the lives of two broken people and his restoration of a broken marriage. We were the perfect couple. If anyone was going to have a happily ever after, it was going to be us. We both grew up in loving Christian homes with committed parents. We were both raised in church every time the doors opened, and we each accepted Christ as our Savior and were baptized around age nine. My parents were not without flaws. My mom could be as stubborn as a mule, and dad had a short fuse and could uh, could get pretty angry at times. I didn't date much during high school, and I was really kind of shy back then. A month after graduating high school, we found out mom had breast cancer, and feelings of anger arose, and I could see my dad's patterns coming out in me. I never saw my parents fight. Dad went above and beyond to make my mom happy. Our Bibles were picked up on Sundays and rarely any other days. In my Christian school and church, we dressed our best, didn't sin, and certainly didn't talk about our sins, if there were any. So I got pretty good at hiding any rebellious behavior. I was also interested in boys and began dating at an early age. Tanya and I met under the most godly of circumstances at a rock concert. (laughs) When I spotted this beautiful brunette sitting near my friend, I thought jackpot. It was love at first sight for me. In 16-year-old terms, Greg was hot. Though at a rock concert, some of our first conversations were about church and our faith. Handsome, sweet, and a Christian, Greg was the whole package. At 16 and 17 years old, we began a five-year dating journey that was mostly conflict-free and a lot of fun, with shared adventures together, including youth group ski trips, gallivanting around France with my school French group, and serving together in college ministry at UNT. And yeah, that's an oldie. And that, I still miss that car. 1969 Mustang. Oh well. I love the vest too. Um, Okay, so Greg proposed to me on Valentine's Day. Engagement was very exciting, but also brought about some of our first real conflict. Each fight would cause me to question are we making a mistake? Healthy conflict resolution hadn't been modeled for either of us, and we didn't know how to communicate hurts and desires well. Our stuffed emotions created landmines that could suddenly explode. Overall, we felt prepared for marriage, having done two Christian premarital counseling courses. We married during spring break of Tanya's third year of college. I had just graduated and gotten a job. We had a beautiful Hawaiian honeymoon and came home to our first apartment and really had a great first year of marriage. After Tanya graduated college, we moved to Dallas and both worked at the same advertising agency. We enjoyed our new freedom and began going to clubs and drinking on the weekends and not attending church consistently. After a year working in advertising, I went to work for my dad, and a year later, Greg joined the family business. Early on, this was a great arrangement, but it would lead to some difficulties later in our marriage. After visiting several churches, we settled on Watermark sometime in 2001. We got in community and began serving, but in many ways we were still cultural Christians, just not consistently putting God first in all things. In John 15, Jesus refers to himself as the true vine and calls those who receive God's message of salvation 
to abide with him, saying in verse 4 through 5, Remain in me and I will remain in you. I should have that memorized. Uh, For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is uh, severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Things changed rapidly over the next few years. Our first daughter was born a week after our fifth anniversary, and we were very proud. Um, We had two more surprise daughters within three years, and our oldest proved to be extremely challenging. Uh, We had moved to a bigger house in Murphy, and we had a cycle of credit card debt. We also went to a different church where the pastor that we had been in community with later left. I was still trying to work, but was overwhelmed and often depressed. I recall one stressful night holding our sweet, colicky newborn. I told Greg, if it wasn't for these kids, I'd leave you. After a particularly hurtful fight, we sought help and actually began our first round of re-engage in 2009, but it would not be our last. As conflict returned, I didn't believe I needed counseling or help. I could figure things out myself. I became disillusioned with life, my career, beliefs, etc., and we were drinking too much at times. Although I was leading Sunday school at church, at home I was not leading my family as God intended me to. Feeling lonely and isolated, I expressed a desire to try another church where I could develop close friendships, maybe even go back to Watermark. Sundays had become a burden rather than a blessing for me, as Greg would leave early to set up for teaching, and I would wrangle kids, often arriving late and stressed out. Valentine's Day 2011, a nice date turned into a fight. Shortly after, some changes at work added to family stress. Just as the office manager resigned, an overwhelming uh, flood of work came in, meaning that Tanya would have to fill in and work overtime. To keep up with deadlines, I began working 12-hour days for weeks on end. I was overwhelmed with work, isolated from friends, and disillusioned with life. 1 Peter 5, 8, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. I was ripe for devouring and was now working closely with a male co-worker who had been a friend too. I began seeking to have emotional needs met by him. Flirting sparked an attraction, and before long, a physical affair that continued off and on for about four months. These months were an emotional roller coaster, from deep shame and depression to seeking another fleeting high. I felt trapped in my own dark vortex of sin. I had committed the sin of adultery, In my mind, this was the one unforgivable sin, or at least the sin that Greg had always told me he would leave me for. I was sure our marriage was doomed. Things are strained between us. I even remember after seeing a Facebook message asking Tanya if there was anything going on with someone else. She said no. As was a pattern in our marriage during tough times, we planned to get away. After all, a vacation we couldn't afford uh, would make things all better. So in June, we headed to Key West, and after a snorkeling-slash-booze cruise, Tanya and I had an argument while walking back to the hotel. Tanya went down the road she thought was right, and I left her choosing a different road. I remember thinking, how could he leave me alone in a strange place? I had had it, and I decided that when we got back to the hotel, I would tell him that I wanted to leave him. So that's what I did, but I was determined that I could not be honest about why. If pushed, I would say the affair was just emotional. I was shell-shocked. Immediately I asked if there was someone else, and she hesitantly told me it was our coworker, who I thought was my friend. 
How could she do this to me? She assured me that the affair was mostly emotional, but admitted that they had kissed and there had been some sexting. Surprisingly, although Greg was angry and upset, he actually told me he wanted me to stay. Hearing his reassurances and then coming home to our children was a wake-up call. I decided to stop working, and I was ready to stay in the marriage. But I just knew I had to lock up the full truth of the affair and keep it hidden forever. I had confessed my sins to God, and that was that. Why should I need to confess to Greg? It would only hurt him, and I was sure he would never forgive me. The day after we got back, I met with the co-worker to verify stories. He told me the same thing, and he resigned. So I thought, I can work through this. We met with our old pastor who gave good counsel, recommended a good church in Plano, and a Christian marriage counselor. Our first Sunday at the church, the message was on God's discipline and the Israelites wandering in the desert. I wrote this in my Bible. You're either in Egypt, fertile land, the Sinai desert, God's discipline and provision, or in the promised land. I felt that God was speaking directly to us and that we could make it out of the desert. We were making strides at getting right with God, but weren't there yet. We never really got into community and remained fairly isolated. Struggles during these years for me included focusing on work, venting with anger, and the constant suspicion that Tanya wasn't telling me everything. I escaped the pain with alcohol, porn, and lustful thoughts. I certainly had not closed all doors of escape. At one point, meeting up with another woman and entertaining the thought, what would it be like to have an affair? In summer of 2012, we moved back to Dallas but continued driving Uh, north for church until one Sunday the sermon on the importance of community spoke to us. God led us back to Watermark to seek community. We followed his direction and were immediately affected by the sermon series on marriage and parenting. There was also an upcoming marriage conference which Tanya wanted to go to but I wasn't ready to open myself up to the chance of having to talk about our past. Look at us now. (laughs) When Greg wouldn't go to the marriage conference, I thought maybe we could try re-engage again. I pulled up their webpage and watched a video of the Cox's testimony. I was blown away. Their story gave me hope and the courage to come clean to Greg. I'd been in Bible study fellowship studying Genesis and learning how so many great Bible figures made huge mistakes. Though their sins had consequences, there was also abounding grace. And God still used those sinful people for good. I related to the cries of an adulterous King David in Psalms 32, 1 through 5. I'll paraphrase. What joy for those whose rebellion is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record has been cleared of sin, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, I was weak and miserable. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. I knew God forgave me, and I prayed Greg could too. We had been faking peace for years. If our marriage was ever going to regain emotional intimacy, I had to confess. Still, I was terrified. But God had it under control and put a friend in my path. She served and re-engaged, so I thought she was probably a safe person to confide in. Lo and behold, she shared a very similar story. She was such a source of biblical wisdom and encouragement. After much prayer and weeping, I sat Greg down one night after the kids were in bed and told him what he had feared all along, that the affair had in fact been physical. 
The room began to spin, and I remember getting off of the bed and sitting down in the corner while Tanya spoke. In a way, it was a relief to finally hear the truth. I was heading to L.A. the next day for a bachelor party for a best friend and got about 45 minutes of sleep. A day later, while swimming in the icy Pacific, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 came to me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I had not done this in so long. Again, I felt God was speaking and saying, I love your family too much to let you fall apart. After getting back in town, I met with our counselor and also met with the husband of the woman who'd been counseling Tanya. I was completely broken and open to God's guidance. It was important to me that we get to re-engage ASAP. There was a great deal of spiritual warfare going on with both of us. The devil was working overtime to have us believing lies and keep us from reconciling. The first night we planned to go to re-engage followed a really tough day for Greg, which led to him leaving the house after he got home and me crying on the bathroom floor with suicidal thoughts. When Greg returned and found me there sobbing and saying, I just feel hopeless, he reached out his hand to pull me up and said, well, let's go get some hope. And we went to re-engage to begin our journey of healing. Coming to re-engage that first night was scary, but as the Lord does, he comforted us with old friends from our pastime at Watermark. I was amazed at Raul and Susan's story of redemption, and I felt encouraged. The following months held ups and downs. Often, Tanya and I were operating at two different speeds, but we committed to the process to each other and, most importantly, to God. I had a renewed spiritual vitality, feeling a weight lifted from bringing my sin into the light. God's provision was amazing. He continued to bring people into our lives to encourage us through this tough season. The first night in closed group, we discovered that a couple who had served in college ministry with us was in our same group. Our re-engaged leaders were awesome, and our group formed a close community. The guys in our group also went through a men's Bible study with our re-engaged leader, which is a great source of encouragement and accountability for me. And that Bible study is summit I highly recommend. As re-engage was ending, I was terrified. We had gained so much ground and I never wanted to be in isolation again. God answered prayer and led us into community with the very same couple that had helped counsel us early on and had still been helping us along the way. We also quickly began serving and re-engage and both have been a huge blessing. I praise God for the mighty work he has done in our lives. When I look back at the path of self-destruction I was on, I'm even more amazed that we have a God that scripture says will never leave us or forsake us and that desires to seek and save the lost. I was like a sheep that had gone astray and Jesus rescued me. I have seen such spiritual growth in Greg. As he abides with Christ, he has grown in humility, forgiveness, and gained more control of his struggles with anger and lust. He is leading himself and our family as God intended. And my respect for him continues to grow as I watch him faithfully study the Bible, lead re-engaged groups, and lead men in Bible study. When God steps in to save a marriage, it impacts the whole family. Our children see a difference in how we love each other and them, and their desire to know God has grown. I've been so blessed and encouraged with Tanya's spiritual growth. She absolutely has made God and the study of his word a priority in her life. 
The change in her character, actions, and love she shows to our family is incredible, and I'm proud to be her husband. God is still working on us as we strive for growth in our communication, managing expectations, and faithfully abiding with Christ. By God's grace, we will celebrate 19 years of marriage this March. And uh, another neat thing, we bought the business from her dad this summer and they're working together again. So it's pretty, pretty exciting what God can do. Um, one thing off script for a minute, every time this picture gets thrown up, um, I look at the children, they're 13, 11, and 9, and if we had ended it in 11, the little one would be 3 and not know what our family life is like. I mean, so just... It's just such an encouragement. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's face it. We all dream of having perfect marriages, but in reality, relationships are messy. Why? Because we all bring into our marriage something that can be destructive to them, sin. The good news is Jesus came to deliver us by his life, death, and resurrection. That means there is grace for every messy moment. You enter into that grace by admitting just how much you need it every day. God is the source of real hope and change, and he wants to save you and your marriage too. Will you let him? If you have unconfessed sin, will you stop hiding it tonight? James 5, 6 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. There is freedom in the light. Will you commit to your marriage and to the re-engage process? I urge you to take divorce off the table and lock all doors of escape. Will you seek community? Isolation is a dangerous place to live. Left to ourselves, we can easily develop wandering hearts and blind eyes to our own faults. We need the protection and often redirection we receive from God's people led by God's spirit and his word. And finally, will you stay in your own circle, focusing on how God wants to change you and trusting God with everything else? I know it's not easy, but try this before praying, Lord, change my spouse. Try praying, Lord, change me. God is at work not so much to give us comfortable, predictable lives or to transform our circumstances, but he is working through hard circumstances to transform us. We'll leave you with a scripture, James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We can honestly look back at the last few years and testify that this is true. Through life's difficult moments, we actually receive the blessing of heart-transforming grace. Because the God who loves us knows that is exactly the grace we often need. Thank you.